Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is volume six, and we have an awesome show today. Heisman Trophy winner, Manning Award winner, Associated Press Player of the Year. You name it, he won it in college football, except for a national championship, I guess. Baker Mayfield is here on the Marty Smith's America podcast today, and we dive into everything Baker. We dive into what he's done exceptionally well. We dive into what he has done wrong. We dive into who he is and what he expects to become. He's a fascinating person, just celebrated his 23rd birthday, and he's eyeing in just a few days hearing his name called in the first round of the NFL draft. And you can call him polarizing. You can call him controversial. You can call him any number of things. But one thing that is certain, you can call him confident. Without further ado, here's Baker Mayfield. All right, Baker. Uh, first thing is, young man, I know you just had a birthday, the big two, three. Happy birthday, yes. son. Hey, I thank you for that. Thank you. What'd y'all, what, what'd you do? How'd you celebrate 23? I, so in the midst of all my team travels, um, I luckily got a, a two day break for that. So my girlfriend and I got an Airbnb in Santa Barbara and just kept it low key. Son, Airbnb with the girl in Santa Barbara. You can't hide money. Somebody's ready to get paid, boys. I like it. It's an Airbnb. <laughs> right. 49 bucks a night. I like it. Just like the Motel 6 down the road. <laughs> Heisman Trophy winner, Manning Award, AP Player of the Year. Why don't you try to do something with your life, Baker? You, uh, I'm trying. Just like you, Marty. Yeah, I'm trying to make it too, Bubba. Uh, when somebody doubts you, how do you react? Uh, to be honest with you, it depends on who it is. Um, you know, for me, um, if it's somebody, you know, coaches or players, that's that's motivation for me to try and do everything I can to prove my ability. You know, not that I'm trying to get their approval, but to just show them, you know, I'm I'm here for a reason, uh, and, I'm, and I'm passionate about it. I love it. I love what I do. Uh, but if it's if it's fans or anything like that, that makes it enjoyable. I think that's why college football is so special is you have the rivalries, you have the hate, the trash talk. And so that that just makes it fun. What's it like when you go to the – you know, you're talking about being in Austin, uh, your home, your hometown. What's it like when you go to, like, the Walmart or something in Austin? What do people say? Um, <laughs> depends, you know, because in my hometown uh, it's not as – much of hate is if I went, you know, directly downtown and probably went shopping there. Uh, I get more UT people, strictly UT people there. Now it's people understand. They know that I grew up an OU fan. So uh, it's a little bit, a little bit of mixed messages, honestly. How does a guy grow up a, an Oklahoma fan when he grows up 10 minutes from Hook'em? <laughs> uh, I wanted the root for the best. <laughs> so, somebody no, uh, somebody but, said but really that though, answer before <laughs> uh, that's actually the first time i said that but for for real my uh my dad knew coaches on the switzer staff and so growing up my older brother and i we thought that was the coolest thing ever to get to go to games they'd give us tickets and get to go on the field before uh and just uh, it was enjoyable so i, I was kind of born into it who were the he- sooner heroes for you at that time was it oh, like AD those guys Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, a little bit earlier, yeah. Quentin Griffin, Mark Clayton, Tommy Harris, Teddy Lehman, Dvorak, Derek Strait. Uh, I mean, I, I had plenty of guys that I loved watching. All those guys are kids to me, Baker. I'm such a fossil. 
how, uh, how often have you willed your vision into reality? Um, quite often, honestly. I just, I think you gotta, you gotta visualize it. You gotta manifest your dreams. You gotta think about it. You gotta truly want it. If it's your dream, you gotta think about it every day. You gotta think about the decisions you make. Every little thing affects another. So, um, it's just, you, you gotta continue to focus on that. So, when it comes to having visions and, and trying to make them happen, um, you, you gotta will it. What's that dream look like right now? Ooh, um, you know, I've always been a big picture guy, and so um, being being you know considered one of the best to ever play, but to have my story look back on it to say that uh, I came from you know one end of the spectrum and, and ended up on the on the other, and I wanted to be able to inspire kids, to inspire inspire people to just take a chance on themselves and believe in that, and just to you know whatever their dreams might be, it could it could be sports related, or it could be you want to be a doctor or a lawyer. If you set your sights on that, go make it happen. I've heard the term or statement, you know, throughout my career of covering college football during your tenure, certainly at Oklahoma, Baker being Baker. Who is Baker? (laughs) Uh, You know, a kid that loves playing ball, uh, that's passionate about it, that that cares for people, um, that that will do anything and whatever it takes to win and help. You know, there's – I take care of my guys uh, and my family. That's it's something that, you know, you ask anybody within the LT program or the OU program that uh, – I like Travis LT is my high school. So, uh, But you ask any of those people, and, you know, people have a perception on the outside, but uh, the work ethic and, you know, my loyalty to those people within that program, that's that's who it is. That That's why I'm so passionate. That's why I'll do anything on a Saturday or whatever it takes throughout the week to win because I love the people I'm next to. You know, I surround myself with – I've been blessed to be surrounded by great people um, and uh, I've had fun and enjoyed the process throughout that. So it's, it's just a fun and compassionate person uh, and competitive, I'd say. What do folks say about you that's not true? Oh, the maturity issues, you know, that all these draft gurus, whatever you want to call them. They have never played football before, so it doesn't really matter when it comes down to it. But um, they they say – the issues would be maturity. Like I, they say they don't know if I can be a franchise guy. Um, I've been the face at Oklahoma for, fortunately, for three years at a place that, you know, there's you talk about the Alabamas, the Ohio State, the Clemsons, the Michigans, the USC. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that. So I've been preparing myself, even though I didn't know it, for, for this next step for a while now. And um, I'm just – I'm ready to go have it all be about football. You mentioned the draft gurus, and you've, if anybody's been through the gauntlet, man, it is you over the last month or six weeks or whatever that time period is. What part of the draft process has been the most surprising? Um, I, I think whatever people see on TV is not actually what's going on. There's just so much within the traveling and the meetings and the, the real grind about getting to get up in front of these people these coaches, these owners and general managers and talk ball with them, like getting to really show your stuff and put your resume out there. And so uh, whatever people say on the outside, they truly don't know what a team is focusing on. They truly don't know what they want, what they might have, you know, schemed up for draft day. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see that there's two there's one obvious thing that everybody sees and then there's another that behind the scenes that uh, not many people know about. Which one of those team rooms you walked in was the most interesting? You know, for me, it's 
I, I found them all very interesting because some teams focus on different things within these meetings. And, you know, it's, that's what I loved about it is you get to see how certain teams operate, how they think and what they want in their locker room and what they're needing. So to me, there's a little bit of interesting perspective on each one. Why are you a top five NFL prospect, Baker Mayfield? Um, you you got to have a good quarterback. Um, so, I mean, every team, you got to have somebody that's playing well at, at that position. So that, that's, that's one reason. And then you got to be able to win. And for me, winning isn't just the wins and losses on the field. I mean, that's, that's very important when you're talking about investing this much money into a guy. But you get – somebody that has a winning mentality to push those those guys around him to be better, you know, to raise the level of performance and the work ethic, to change the culture in a locker room. Uh, that, that's, that's what I say is important is, is winning, not just on the field, but off as well. And so those between those two, performance and, and winning. What's your message to anyone who says otherwise? They can, they can sit there and watch. I've, <laughs> I've uh, been doing it a while. So for me, they say otherwise. Um, the proof is in the pudding, and where I'm ready to, you know, start fresh again and, and have to do it at the NFL. You discussed having done it for a long time now. How did you win the Texas Tech job? Oh, um, you know, I got there in July, and Davis Webb was their guy at the time. Um, and you know, for me, it just you put your head down and you focus. And a lot of people thought that I was just given that job, but no, it's not the way it was. I had to start from getting extra reps with the freshmen after practice and, and then showing the coaches that I cared about it, getting into the playbook to when I got my chance with the threes or the twos that I could show that I knew my stuff. And then it's all about opportunities. And when you get those opportunities, take advantage of it. So the, the preparation is, is essentially why I got that job. And so a lot of that stuff people don't see, and they don't have to. Uh, a lot of that I don't even want them to. There's, there's secrets to work ethic and, and how to do certain things that I've believed in and I've done, so I'm going to keep doing that. Well, again, you have this Facebook show uh, behind Baker, and in one of the episodes, forgive me, I forget which of the two that I've seen so far, you're sprinting up a sand hill somewhere on the ocean in California. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, first of all, you're out of your damn mind, but second, uh, I want to, I want you to take me inside the preparation at least that which you will give me. You just said I don't want to give up all my secrets, but I got you. Got to give me. There's a mental side of that too. There's an indomitable oh, no, will. Absolutely. There's an indomitable will side of that that the best of the best have that the other guys don't. How would you oh, define absolutely. that side of your life? Um, you know, that's that's kind of why I chose to train with the program I did. You know, that's that was one of the glorious days. Was kind of like. It was the Friday. You got to go to the the beach, the sand dunes. I mean, obviously, it wasn't very fun. Uh, Didn't look fun at all. No, but it's in a great place. So that was our that was our Friday getaway. <laughs> but the, there's something about when you talk about working. I you would have to kill me before I'd let you win. Uh, I just I will never give up, and that's something that the great ones have. It is they just they take that competition level to. I mean heights that you could not even imagine you talk about the tom brady's the peyton mannings and then just recently deshaun watson you just talk about having the mentality to never give up uh no matter you know what the situation is no matter if it's you're working out or it's you're doing flashcards with math act on them uh, there's something about it there's a switch that the competitive guys have that i flip on whether and like that that workout you know i'm not the fastest guy but i'm not going to give up and you'd have to <laughs> you'd have to kill me before i let you win 
Doubt drives a lot of greatness in this life, and you have overcome a lot of people's doubt or criticism or whatever word you want to call it. So very simply, why do you have such a big damn chip on your shoulder? With everything you've achieved, why do you have that damn chip? Um, everybody carries it a little bit differently. Mine I wear on my sleeves, um, which at times has gotten me into trouble, but it's at the same time, it's just I've I've had so much adversity that I've had to face. You know, everybody faces a different form of adversity. Mine's just been the fact that I've been this tall my whole life. And just throughout the recruiting, the football side of things, I've been this tall. So, um, and that's why when people are like, oh, he's too short. It's like, no, I've been doing this for a while now. Uh, and so I, the measurable stuff has really put a huge chip on my shoulder to, to say that people can – put a perspective on me just because of my size that's probably a huge reason why i have uh, a couple boulders on each shoulder um but i've just i've been able to use that and not not focus on it as much but able to channel it into you know being able to focus on the preparation and then come game day letting it all out the whole walk-on culture the whole walk-on philosophy and mindset fascinates me what did that feel like when you walked out on that field for the first day of practice no, um, unbelievable. Uh, you know, I, the first time we put on pads was, I was like, ah, oh, it's finally my time to go show them what I'm capable of. Cause I got there in July. So they're in the middle of summer workouts. They're in great condition and I'm not a physical specimen. So they're probably looking at me like, why is this kid even here? I'm not going to, I'm not going to win any races. But then once we got the opportunity to get a ball and put the pads on, uh, I was just that I never, I never get nervous. So being able to, to kind of tell myself, like, all right, here's your opportunity to go show them why you're here, why you chose to do this instead of taking the easy way out. How'd you win the Oklahoma job? Uh, I mean, essentially. Because I don't believe it's the same answer as the Texas Tech it, question. Essentially, no, the, uh, you know, the determination and the will to never give up is one thing, but that had to do with a lot of patience and keeping a positive mindset because I got to Oklahoma and had to sit out from transferring. And so, um, at, you know, being a competitive person, I wanted to play. You always want to be that person that's actually playing. So I had to find the positives in it. And, and being able to go up against our defense every day, I really found ways to turn that into – I had a game day every day. So learning about defenses and learning about, you know, growing the mental side of my games so come that following spring when the competition was happening that I was ready to, to go up against anything. And so I just prepared myself. You know, I took – Made sure that I uh, covered all the bases, uh, you know, for when my opportunity came around, I was able to take advantage of it. Put me in the room with Bob Stoops when you <laughs> walked in there and said, I'm going to be your quarterback. Um, he was a little shocked that I was there, considering that Trevor and I had just come off of uh, a victory against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl as a redshirt freshman. Um, so I, I think he looked at me half crazy, like, why are you even here? But at the same time, I, I think he knew that – um, I was very driven. There was a reason why I came there. How do you define your college football career? Oh, a roller coaster with a good ending. You mentioned that you're never nervous. What were you thinking sitting in that police station? Oh, um, disappointment. Um, you know, because like I talked about earlier, I I love taking care of the people that have helped me, you know, the people that I have loyalty to. And so that was disappointment thinking about, you know, my family, thinking about that I let them down, that they'd have to answer questions on my behalf because uh, of my poor decision to run from the cops. 
So that's just disappointment. Uh, you know, I was I was raised better. I, I know better. Um, and so it's just knowing that one simple mistake can, you know, tarnish my family's name and the, and the people that, you know, that have worked for me and stuck up for me. So yeah, just disappointment. What mom and dad say to you? They knew that I was going to be a lot harder on myself than anybody else could. So they, my mom just, they told me it was going to be okay. Um, just it, everybody makes mistakes and, you know, you learn from it and you move forward. And so they, they, knowing that I was going to be a, very hard on myself, that, that's how they handled it. Everybody does make mistakes. Regardless of who or what you are, that is this life. Exactly. Uh, but some folks have different expectations than others. Baker Mayfield, you are one of those people. How has your experience taught you about your position, as it were? I have been unbelievably blessed to be put in this position. I now, uh, not now, but I have been on a platform to where I can be a role model, to where I can be that example for, for kids or, or people in general on how to handle um, the spotlight, how to handle attention and, and do it the right way. You know, I was, like I said, I was raised better. So to, to be that example for a kid, you know, I was inspired by college football players when I was younger, you know, to look up to them and say that that's where I want to be. Uh, and, and to know that I'm, I've been blessed enough to be in the situation now, that's been my focus on how I'm going to handle it and to be that role model for somebody else. I've heard that you're tired of being compared to Johnny Manziel, so I will not ask that question. What I wonder <laughs> is, what, if any, conversations have you had with Johnny Manziel? It's been a while since i talked to him. Um, you know, honestly, it was at the Heisman Ceremony in 2016 is the last time I saw him. But, you know, it, it, I'm not tired about that. It's just the fact that people try and compare and say we're the same person. It's just, no, nobody's the same. Everybody's different. You know, he's... God bless him. I hope he, I hope he, you know, turns it around because he's so naturally gifted. And then, you know, it'd be a great story to see that he turns it around and, and makes it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of the comparisons because I'm never going to be anybody else. I'm proud of being different and being my own person, and I'm confident in that. What comes with winning the Heisman Trophy that we don't see? Um, it's just a lot of pulling and tugging from every which direction. You know, from from people that you know kind of want a, a little bit of this from you and a little bit of that, and, and so being able to stay focused and realize that you still have your priorities, not getting caught up in it. You know, it's obviously a blessing, but at the same time, it, it's not going to be the end of my story, and I don't want it to be. It's a it's a great thing, and it's such an honor, but I, I still have my goals at the highest point right now. Throughout this draft process, I know that you've spent some time with Chad Pennington. Uh, what what have you learned from Chad? Chad's a guy that's been through it, uh, been through the NFL gauntlet, and he's he's done it the right way. Uh, there's there's not anybody that I've talked to or I've heard anything bad about Chad. He's an unbelievable person. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, competed, had success, and and gave back, and and now does things to impact lives uh, after the process. He used it, and he got everything out of the game of football, and it's giving back to everybody else now. So uh, he's taught me how to do it the right way yeah. you know obviously i'm still learning but he's a great example to follow and watch what's what what do you think is the best piece of advice he's given you to date um how to handle some of the interviews how to how to go in there and make sure i you know i'm professional and i get the point across that yeah i'm competitive but i also there's a reason why it's like i am 
you know, I have my story, I have my background, and that's how I'm wired. But at the same time, I can be a franchise quarterback for somebody, and I want that, and I want that more than anybody else. I read where your old man thinks you have a photographic memory. Give me an example. Um, I I don't know if it's photographic, but I have I do I would say a, a pretty good memory. I just I could list off all my buddies growing up, their phone numbers. Uh, to this day, some of them I don't even talk to anymore. That was just I call them so many times to come over and play baseball or basketball or go swimming. Uh, and just I just I'd memorize all numbers, and I think that's how it started. So I started doing that, and then I loved math facts in elementary school. I competed with that, and just it, it just it grew from there. And so uh, I don't know having to memorize numbers, and I thought it gave me an advantage on certain things, and just memorizing street signs and growing around or going around, and just throughout the process of growing up, I loved hide and go seek, or you know we, we would play around the neighborhoods, and I just like. Just knowing uh, where I was in awareness, uh, just just stuff like that. I think I trained my brain to always remember um, little details. And you focus on the little details that it can help you out a lot. I was going to say, what impact does that have when you're at a line of scrimmage and you have to make a decision on what they're trying to do to you? <laughs> exactly. No, that and that's you see the little details. You talk about the great ones. They'll they'll notice the guy is shaded on the outside. That that means that he's going to, you know. Even though one other guy might be disguising a coverage, if you have one guy with outside leverage, uh, it could mean the safety's rotating that way or they're going to funnel him in towards the middle middle field safety. I don't know. There's just little details of recognition, and it comes with experience as well. You know, being able to, once you're comfortable in your own offense and you know your job, like the back of your hand, then you can notice those things on a defense. And just it puts you in a great, you know, opportunity to win. Put your guys in a good position, give them a good play, and be able to have success. The Behind Baker Facebook show, what do you hope that displays for the consumer? Um, I, I want it to be entertaining. I want it to show uh, who I am, uh, but also just the whole process. It's such a such a neat opportunity to be able to go through the, the grind of the, um, you know, the, the draft process, the pre-draft, you know, going through the interviews, going through, you know, now you're no longer a college athlete. You're getting to do certain things that that not many others get to do. So just to be able to uh, show a little bit of, you know, what's going on and, and keep my, my Oklahoma fans in the loop, um, a little bit of that, and then also just to have fun with it because everybody does their own some, you know, somewhat of a draft prep video, uh, whether it's the my path to the draft type thing. And it's just a, it's a little bit different, and that's just always how I've been. I've always had it a little bit differently. How long is it supposed to last? Uh, so there's going to be – we're going to drop episodes – um, every other day up until the draft, and then the, the last episode will be, um, I think, the day after the draft, or it, I think we pushed it back a day. Um, so we'll see. There's going to be, I think, almost eight episodes, and there's going to be a longer documentary that we uh, will push out through through a network. You said on that show you were in the locker room, and you were you walked back in to where your locker room once was, or where your locker was, excuse me. And you, there was a wall there, a partition right beside where your locker was located at Oklahoma. And you said this was where the writing about me was placed. This was my motivation. I want to know what that writing said. So I, um, I'd always been a big, you know, you, you write stuff down and you look at it and you can visualize it. You know, like like I talked about earlier, manifesting your dreams and you know having that same mentality when you wake up to, to go go earn what you want. 
it's not going to be given to you to go or have to earn it. And so um, it's something that I had always kind of kept to myself. And then I was like, you know what, thinking about before the season, what, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? How do you want to impact these guys around you? Uh, and so for some of those freshmen, I wanted to make sure that they knew why I worked that way and they knew why I was so passionate about it. So I, I wrote kind of my list of things that I always, you know, would, would abide by. Uh, and what were they? The first, first couple, uh, be fearless, be relentless, um, never give up, and just then I, I went down my list of just personal things, and then at the end of it uh, were, were the season goals, and for that year, and one of them that I, I didn't, you know, quite accomplish was get your team to Atlanta and finish, um, you know, just, just short of that, uh, but then the other one was be the best player in the country, and you know, I put on that list yeah, a couple other things to inspire others. Make sure you inspire somebody every day. Um, make sure that you do the right things even when nobody's watching. Uh, it's just, you know, all all of my kind of my morals, values, and then also my goals and my mentality, I kind of put up there just for, for our younger guys to see. You know, it's something that never left me. I'd always look at it, whether it was in my phone or in actual writing on a, on a piece of paper. But I, I wanted to make sure that I put it up there for everybody to see, and I wanted to set the set the mindset and the mentality for our team. You have a specific story of inspiration you could share with me? It's You've said that several times during our chat, that you want to be an inspirational figure for others. What story do you have maybe from someone in Norman or someone – that you met along the the way that that was readily obvious that you had impacted them based on your example. Oh, are there um, any specific ones you can think of that I've impacted somebody? Yes. I, I think uh, I actually met somebody not too long ago in Santa Barbara. Actually, yeah, so this past week, so on my birthday, um, met this guy that uh, he plays quarterback and he's going to be sign up for a Canadian league, but he, he told me that I specifically had inspired him to continue playing and to never give up. And it's just like things like that. It doesn't have to be a little kid for me to hear that, to know that my story and how it wasn't the easiest, but I never gave up to have an impact on somebody else that I've never met before. Um, to me, that's, that's very special. So that's, that's just the most recent thing. But, you know, fortunately today, uh, I'll be able to, uh, you know, go see some kids around the town. I'm back home in Lake Travis, so I'll, I'll be able to go go see some kids and, and hang out with them. All right, last thing, brother. So many variables determine success, regardless of your chosen path. I understand that. But sitting here a handful of days away from hearing your name called in the NFL draft in Dallas, Texas, how do you define success in your NFL career what you've again we start where we started this conversation you've willed yourself to so many accomplishments in your life so try to define success for me right now oh wow longevity and and consistency i think for me that that's the key uh, i think making sure i take all the necessary steps to ensure that I play a long time. So with that encompasses, obviously, you got to be playing well if you're going to play a long time. But then taking care of my body and doing the right things um, and just making sure that I have everything, you know, you eat, breathe, and sleep football. And with that, I can take care of myself and my family. And so success for me is uh, I, to be able to play this game long enough to where my 
grandkids kids don't have to worry about anything down the road and to to know that i've taken care of myself and our family first um and foremost that would be the first part of success and, and then consistency with that is making sure you know i keep talking about it is inspiring others making sure i leave my mark making sure that my legacy and my story is something like chad pennington you know a guy that people you know they don't have anything bad to say about it. They, they he got everything out of the game and now he's able to give back to others because of how he did it i wish you the absolute best young man i appreciate you i appreciate your time i certainly appreciate your talent and your drive and your will and your passion determination it is inspirational and uh Man, go kick some ass, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate that, Marty. Thanks for having me. I love what he just said right there to end the interview. I love that his mindset and definition of success in the NFL is longevity and consistency. That is exactly right. That is the exact headspace that Baker Mayfield should be in days from hearing his name called at the NFL draft in Dallas, Texas, his home state in front of his people. And it'll be fascinating to see who decides he's right for their franchise. Because he, in my estimation, I'm no draft guru, I'm no quarterback guru, but I know a whole lot of young men who played college football, uh, and he's a very special talent and not just physically, we all seen, have seen the physical gifts, but I love his mental approach too. The hell with you. I'm going to go beat you. My entire reason for being is to dominate you. I love that about him. Now, it's time for the Marty Party. What are we going to do, bud? We're going to drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. What's up, man? Marty Party. If there's anybody in the national media who knows more about Baker Mayfield then my running mate on Marty and McGee, Ryan McGee, hey, you better put your hand up because I don't believe it. So I, dr- I drug him out of hibernation to hang out with me a minute and give me some perspective on his substantial time, not just with Baker, but with Baker's family, coaches, confidants, acquaintances. McGee has been around it. Uh, his uh, piece that was on E60 was tremendous and has gotten more run than any single piece in the history of ESPN. So uh, thanks for hanging out with me, brother. Uh, First, just give me your general impressions of who this kid is. Well, I mean, I get asked all the time. I mean, you know the deal. When you are attached to somebody that's as high profile as he is, because that piece has run so many times, then I get stopped in airports, and I get stopped by NFL scouts when I'm at pro days. And I mean, it's just what I tell people all the time is, I like him. And everyone's reaction to that is, well, you can't like him. No, I really do. And I think that his 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 two greatest faults, Marty, are he he's too honest, and he cares too much. And when I say he cares too much, it's just all all that dude ever wanted to do his entire life was what he just did, which was play quarterback at the University of Oklahoma, win the Heisman, you know, have a chance to win a national championship. He he did all that. Since the time he was a little kid tailgating, literally in the same parking lot where all the statues are of the previous Heisman Trophy winners at Oklahoma, he'll have one there now at some point. And so he, he cared so much in the honesty thing. And, and I think that he's just honest to a fault, to to the point that it frustrates his family. And it frustrates his friends because he just, everything's on his sleeve all the time. You just heard it in the interview with you. And, you know, they ran that E60 piece. We updated it for the draft. They ran it again on Sunday morning. 
and Mel Kuyper Jr. was on, and, and Mel's reaction was, I still just don't know if I can buy in because of all the other stuff. And, and people keep telling Baker that, and they've told him that for the last couple of years, but he continues to just be him. And on some level, I mean, you know the type of people that you and I like, and on some level, that's admirable because he's not he's not changing himself for better or for worse. And he's just like, – like the thing with the Chargers, he – has looked at every scenario and doesn't see one where he ends up in San Diego, or excuse me, not in San Diego, in Los Angeles. And so he said, I, he told the Chargers, I haven't spent a lot of time with your playbook because I didn't prioritize it because he doesn't believe that's where he's going to go. And a lot of people took that like, well, he just doesn't care. It, that's not it. He's worried about the interviews that he thinks will actually have the impact on his life. So he's he's a complex guy, but you said it, he's smart. And, and I think that's the part that – He's made bad decisions in public public spotlights, and because of that, people think he isn't smart, and that couldn't be further from the truth. How have you seen that? It's very odd for me, by the way, to like be interviewing you. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it's very it's uncomfortable. Right. I don't get uncomfortable interviewing anyone in the entire world, but I'm extremely <laughs> uncomfortable interviewing you right now. One thing he just said to me that that was really telling. I asked him. What were you thinking sitting in that police station? Yeah. Because he told me I never get nervous. I don't ever get nervous. So, okay, what were you thinking sitting in that police station? And his mind went not to football, but to family. Yep. And, oh, my God, I I have disappointed my mother, my father, my buddies, certainly, you know, coaching staff and all that. But it is parents first. My parents are going to have to answer for this, not just me. Yeah, I can put it on my shoulders because it was a dumb decision. But my parents are going to have to answer for this. In your time with them and chatting with them and the and Baker's periphery, as it were, what do they say about some of these decisions that were suspect? They drives them crazy. Drives them absolutely. His dad, uh, James, is, is this very matter-of-fact dude. You know, he was a walk-on backup quarterback at Houston in the 60s. He's an older guy, and he is, I mean, he is he is as southwest, he is as Texan as you're ever going to meet. I mean, you know, we had to wait to do our interview with him for the 60 piece because there's a gas station near the house where every Sunday morning he goes and gets breakfast burritos. Like, that's as southwest <laughs> as you're ever going to find a dude, right? But he, and in the oh. E60, yeah, uh-huh, indeed, <laughs> and in the E60 piece, you know, I kept circling back around with Baker, like trying to get him to talk about more details about that about that night. But what he kept going back to is exactly what you're talking about. What he was thinking in that video you see in a piece that no one had ever seen before, he's barefoot and he's sitting on a bench, he's crying, I mean, he's sobbing. And what he's thinking about at that point, he ain't thinking about the draft. He's not thinking about the Sooners, really. He's thinking about having to call home. And calling home – he says it in the piece, was the most difficult part of the whole thing. And in that piece, the only person who, you know, we hear it all from draft specialists now, but the only person in that piece, interviews that we did, you know, almost a year ago, what they said was his dad was the only one that sat there and said, how stupid was that? Yeah, That was so stupid. And he goes, and the more details we learn, the stupider it gets. And so that's who his parents are. And honestly, that's why I don't worry that much about him, because there's an accountability that he has at home, that he's not going to get anywhere else. All due respect to whatever team he ends up with, they will not hold him. Uh, they will not hold his feet to the fire like his parents will. And that's I why, just, yeah, the John, like the Johnny Manziel stuff, at this point we already knew before the draft 
Johnny had a substance abuse problem. We knew that his parents were checked out. We knew that they had been his father had been part of the problem. We knew that the people around him were a problem. None of that applies to Baker. None right. of it. It's just not – that comparison drives me, dude. That drives me insane. I just said to him, I said, I know you're really tired of being compared to Johnny Manziel, so I will not discuss those comparisons, but I will ask you, what conversations have you had with Johnny? And he said it had been since the 2016 Heisman ceremony that he saw him, and he said, God bless him. I hope he gets it together because he is a special talent. And look, man, I'm gonna, I will tell you this. If, if I'm a fan of a team, I would love to have Baker Mayfield as my guy. Yeah. Because he is someone who has willed himself to every fantastic prospect that he could conjure in his mind by sheer damn will. Sure, he's talented. Sure, he's got a good arm and can throw the football. But you can't fake leadership. You can't fake moxie. You can't fake passion. You can't fake determination. That's either there or it ain't. And he's got them all. And I saw Samaji P. Ryan uh, last week. and and You might need to explain to the listeners who that is. So Samaji P. Ryan was... In the backfield with Baker Mayfield. A bad man. I mean, a stud two years yeah, ago. And and came out a year early and, and plays for the Redskins now. And I think there's always that part in the back of his mind that was always going to wonder, what if I'd stayed? And there's that part in Baker Mayfield's mind that I know he says <laughs> all the time, uh, what if he had stayed? But but those guys are still guys. And, and everybody I've ever talked to that played with him, the people that played against him hate him. But the people that played with him, and these include some dudes that are, I mean, opinionated guys. They love him. They love him. I mean, he's he's the ultimate guy, and we deal with this all the time, Marty. If he's on your team, you love him. Yep. And if he ain't on your team, you really hate him. But 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 all I need to – I have yet to find anyone who played with him, even at Texas Tech, where he was there for less than a season and, and was basically pushed out the door. The coaching staff might have something bad to say about him. The guys are co- – but, but the players don't. I mean, those guys, one of his best friends in the world was the quarterback that he beat out and forced to transfer somewhere else at Oklahoma. Yeah, so it's just – Trevor Knight. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all you need to know is that when you mention his name to people who play with him, they don't don't mention Fayetteville, Arkansas in the wintertime. What they mention is they just start smiling. You just say his name. So I I literally said, dude, I just got a text from Baker Mayfield, and he just started laughing immediately. And so I just – that's kind of all you need to know. And, and listen, man, he might prove us both wrong, but I'm telling you right now, our batting average is pretty good of looking at these guys, you and me, and figuring out who they are and who they end up becoming at the next level. And I'm pretty confident when I say, and I think you are too, Baker Mayfield's going to be fine. Yeah, he's going to ball, man. I mean, yeah. look, straight up, dude's going to ball. I don't have any doubt about that. I just, I, I, Indomitable will is hard to overcome. And when you pair it with truly genuine work ethic it's a really good uh combination now on a on a much more appropriate level i'd like to read something to you words sayings or just a way of life roman candles that's a redneck mortar launcher that's what that is (laughs) this is hillbillyisms so i just went outside a little while ago before my interview with baker yeah and I, I decided the pollen, uh, as we've discussed ad nauseum, is just insane. 
No, we, uh, you and I south. both, yeah. It's, it's Throughout ours, the yeah. greater south, the pollen is just beyond comprehension. It's almost like snow. There's a cloud, a cloud of it went through my yard just as I was looking out the window talking to you. Yeah, like one of them tumbleweed tornadoes right. just rolling ridiculous. through. Yeah. A big pollen weed. Yeah. So I walk, I decide, all right, my screen in porch is covered in the pollen. So it's imperative that I remove the pollen so I can enjoy my screened in porch and sit there and watch the ball game and have a cold beer. Right. Well, I figure the best plan is let's get out the blower first. Right. And we'll blow the surface pollen off and then we'll vacuum the cushions. So that you're super thorough and you'll wash, you know, you'll get out the pressure washer and you'll wash the, the deck. Okay. Right. right. So here I am and I've busted out, uh, uh, the, the blower. I'm going to read this. I just put this on the tweeter. Okay. I'm just going to read it to you and I would like to get your, your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. The most Marty thing ever, colon, pollen hell, period. Porch needs cleaning, period. All Especially right. cushions, period. Okay. Decides blower first, vacuum second, period. Right. Grabs blower off garage wall, period. Primes blower, needs gas. Right. Grabs gas can, empty. Drives to gas station, fills gas can, enters gas station, buys two-cycle oil. Yeah. Mixes two-cycle oil into full gas can. Of course. Drives home, fills blower, primes blower, blower cranks, blower dies. Blower cranks, blower dies. Oh. Blower cranks, blower fuel line blows apart. Oh. Dry rot. Sit blower in driveway. Stare a while. Walk inside. Eat egg sandwich. Realize father-in-law two years ago purchased electric blower for you. Electric blower is, in fact, stronger than gas blower. Yeah. Locate electric blower. Flip switch. Blows like hell. Shakes head. The most Marty thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, that's... uh. We've all been there, son. Yeah, there's nothing. My next door neighbor, uh, uh, he, he, former fighter pilot, uh, Benny, Mr. Benny next door. He, you know who Mr. Benny looks like? Mr. Benny looks like, you know, in Tombstone. I know where, Tombstone uh, well. Where, um, uh, uh, what, Turkey Creek, Jack Johnson and, and, I love uh, Turkey Creek. Yeah, when he comes out, that's exactly who, and Jack He looks Romain, like Turkey Creek? He looks like Turkey Creek. My daughter oh, watched awesome. Tombstone for the first time of the day and she jumped up and goes, that looks like Mr. Benny. So Mr. <laughs> ben, Mr. Benny, every year, I have a tiller that, like you, was given to me by, I think, my father-in-law. I have a tiller and I, I use it so infrequently that every spring, Mr. Benny, Turkey, Creek, uh, Jack Johnson next door, he knocks on the door and he goes, Hey, can I borrow my tiller? Because he's the only one ever uses it. And finally, this spring, I was like, You know what? I'm going to plant some azaleas. And I got that tiller out and I had almost the exact same thing. The little bubble, right? The little prime. Yeah, that's what it, I was priming the hell out of that thing. thing. That thing was rotted out. I mean, rotted out. And so Mr. Benny, Turkey Creek, Jack Johnson, Benny, the next door neighbor, he came, came over and said, Can I borrow my tiller? He goes, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to put a new primer bubble on there. I'm like, That's cool. I was like, you know what, if you want to just keep it. You know what I'm getting ready to do? But I'm going to throw away that blower. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think you, you, you should throw it away whether it worked or not. At this point, it's just, it's you versus it and it needs to go to the dump. Speaking of Turkey Creek, did you ever realize that McMaster is Rowdy Burns? Yes. I did realize that. And he drove the pace car at Richmond the other night. I know. So Saturday night. I'm disappointed I missed that. Yeah. Saturday night, he drove the pace car at Richmond. And then I'm, I was flipping channels during the race, and I went, oh, 
uh, look, it's the guy that drove the pace car, and now he's uh, he's going to cover wide up as he goes into the creek and yells no. Hey, did oh, you realize? it was on? Hey, so so Marty McGee Saturday. Um, no, no, it was you. You and I. You and I are talking about characters and movies and whatever oh, else. Yeah. Sure. So something I realized the other night watching Tombstone was Ike Clanton. Ike Clanton, yeah, the man. old drunk Ike. You know, oh, yeah. law don't go right here, law dog. Yeah, man. That's the bad guy from Avatar. What? The stud marine? Is it really? With the flat top and the muscles that drives like the, yeah. How did Avatar? he get so like drunk I and dirty and dumpy and useless in as, Tombstone? As many times I've watched Tombstone. That's pretty brilliant. All of a sudden I sat straight up. We play that game at my house. What movie was that person? I sat straight up. I went, Oh my gosh. I think that's the bad guy from Avatar. All right. One, one last thing. Report colon. Guy broke into Taylor Swift's New York City apartment. Showered yeah. and napped. Is this the same guy we had on Hillbilly Headlines? That, I don't think it he is. Got some cash and threw it. According into a yard? to multiple reports, a 22-year-old man broke into Taylor Swift's NYC Tribeca apartment, oh. showered and napped. Roger Alvarado was eventually arrested on charges of stalking, burglar, burglary—that's a hard word to say—criminal yeah. mischief and trespassing. He entered after breaking a window. Swift was not at home at the time. He was clean though. Damn. Damn. What must it be like to be Her? famous? God like, me. like, cause in the last week alone, we've had a dude that like robbed a store and threw the cash into her yard, like her house in Rhode Island. And now we got this guy, but I, I remember Dale Hart Jr. Who's probably, I mean, he's the most famous guy I know. And he was talking about, you know, hanging out with like Jay-Z and Beyonce and Cheryl Crow and these people, he goes, man, you don't even understand famous. He goes, I don't understand famous. He goes, there's a whole other level of famous, like you can't even operate. Like I don't know how they even, how do you operate if you're Taylor Swift and there's dudes in your bathtub and it's throwing just no, into your yard? It's just not right. Well, thank you for hanging out there, son. Uh, Marty McGee, every Saturday morning, 7 to 9. I don't know why, but it always seems McGee and I end up talking about random dudes jumping in taylor swift's yard or apartment or throwing money at her or something or other appreciate him hanging out always uh that's my brother i appreciate so much baker mayfield spending time with me to share his life uh i wish him the best as i said to him right there on the podcast i want to see him succeed i want to see him thrive because uh i want if i'm his teammate if i'm a guy playing wide out or i'm a guy playing tight end that's a guy i want leading my bunch His will is indomitable, and I love that about him. Thank you so much to Producer Travis. Say hello. How's it going? Producer Travis busts his tail every single weekend. He makes this show tremendous. He works tirelessly to put it together, and I appreciate him so much. He's an amazing teammate. Thank you to Louise Cornetta for believing in this product and deciding to put us on air in the first place. And above all, thank you guys. Without you guys taking the time to listen, there's no reason for us to do it. Have an amazing day, and thank you guys.